Oh, Father God, our great God, our great Savior Jesus, our great Comforter Holy Spirit, what privilege is ours to be Your children. What privilege is ours to gather and to not only know Your name, but to worship it. That You know our name and You love us. So here we are as Your family. Here we are as Your children. And God, by Your grace and for Your glory, may we be a people who truly fall down and lay our crowns and our hearts at the feet of Your Son, our Savior Jesus. And Jesus, we ask that You would come and that You this morning would speak to us like only You can. That You would speak to our hearts. That You would speak into our lives in a way that breaks us and remakes us to be more like You, Jesus, our Savior, our big brother, our Master, and our friend. Holy Spirit, come with such power through the preaching of Your Word that the Father, the Son, the Spirit receive glory, that Your family receive comfort and challenge and joy. Make us more like Jesus, we pray. The things that are said that are my opinion or that are wrong, may they fall away and be forgotten. Come and feed us bread of life. Feed us through Your Word and feed us through this table so that we could be strengthened for the journey so that we could live in a manner worthy of the Gospel. It's for Your glorious name we pray. Amen. Believe it or not, on March... On March 30th, 1863... Pretty smooth, wasn't it? I got size 14s and a very small little platform there. You know? Anyway... On uh, March 30th, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed a congressional resolution, you ready for this? For a national day of prayer and fasting. And this wasn't the first time in our nation's history that a president uh, or Congress declared a day of national fasting and prayer. Matter of fact, it was the third time. One time, the first time through John Adams, and then once through James Madison, who went on to have a great bakery career, and then through Abraham Lincoln. Think about that. Think about our government calling a national day of fasting and prayer. It seems like uh, that way of blessing our our nation has fallen way out of uh, a practice Uh, in our nation's history, sadly. But in reality, it's not the sadness of our country that we should lament for not understanding prayer and fasting. It really is the church. Because the church really has very little, has said very little when it comes to fasting and prayer. And many of us probably here in our lives have lived our lives some of us for, as Christians for a really long time, and, and maybe for some of us we've never fasted or never understood the concept. And really what's sad is not that it's fallen out of vogue in Washington to declare, and it's been hundreds of years since they have, a national day of prayer and fasting. It's the reality is it's fallen out of vogue, it's fallen out of practice in the church. And in the Christian lives, each one of us lives to really understand what is God calling us 
when He calls us to fast and to pray. So this morning on our sacred journey together, we get to this spiritual discipline uh, of fasting. And we're going to ask God, as we've been asking each week as this, through this series, which, man, is He doing some amazing things in my heart, and I trust in yours as well, is that God really ultimately give us a fasting heart. Give us a heart that truly understands what it means to to live on you and to seek your face. So let's begin with a definition. Um, it's, it's so unusual. What is fasting? Uh, this is my definition. It's modified a little bit from Donald Whitney's book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines. But fasting, it's a Christian's voluntary abstaining from food to feast on the bread of life. Fasting, a Christian's voluntary abstaining from food for a period of time to feast on the bread of life. Now, fasting can include other things other than food. You can fast TV. You can fast different things in your life. Certain traditions have Lent and they might fast certain things through that season or give them up for a spiritual reason. Uh, But the biblical focus for the most part of fasting has to do with food. And so that is going to be my primary focus as well, of God calling us uh, for a season uh, to temporarily abstain for food from food so that we, as His family, as the church, as His children, may learn what it means to feast on the bread of life. If you're new to Christianity, you may not know the term bread of life. It's something that Jesus said He was Himself. As He came, He says, I am the true bread of heaven. I am the true bread of life. Come and feast on Me. So what is distinctly Christian about fasting? Because if you look around other, Christian, other, other religious traditions, you'll find that most every religion has some form of fasting. As a matter of fact, uh, some, um, it's much more of a part of their fabric, their understanding it is for us. So we have to ask a question, is, is fasting something that's Christian? Uh, it's certainly something that's not very cultural. I mean, we may fast to lose weight. Uh, we may fast for some other reason. But what are the, the Christian distinctives? And let me say a few things about that. Number one is this. Jesus, uh, Karen read it for us, he said this, when you fast. So is it distinctly Christian? Well, we see Jesus himself, our Savior, the Lord, who comes as the Word in flesh and brings great illumination to God's Word. He says to us in his inerrant Word, when you fast. So can't we all assume that Jesus would have us fast? Because he's going to say when. When you do it. As a matter of fact, the second passage that, that uh, Karen read for us in Matthew 9, it says this, there will be days that will come when you will fast. And church, we are in those days today. What are those days? Well, in that passage, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that passage, it's a little bit strange. It talks about fasting. It talks about wine skin and new wine and doing things new ways. He says this because... Jesus and his disciples were being questioned, how come John's disciples, that's John the Baptist, how come John the Baptist's disciples and the Pharisees are fasting, but Jesus and his disciples aren't? Well, Jesus says, because I'm with them. I'm the bread of life. I'm with them right now. They're feasting right now on me. The day will come when the the, the bridegroom 
will be taken away, and that, that is that ascension to heaven. And when He goes to heaven, and we find ourselves in these days where He is there uh, by the right hand of the Father, that these are the days that we are to fast. So is it distinctly Christian? Well, sure it is. Jesus says when you fast. Is it distinctly Christian? Well, sure it is, because He says in those days you will fast. But what is distinctly Christian about our fasting is we fast in a whole new way. The old way won't work. I mean, the way the Old Testament people fasted or the way the religious people fasted, it doesn't work for us Christians because we fast in a whole different way. We have tasted new wine. And this new wine that we've tasted is the kingdom of God that has come through Jesus Christ. We've had the privilege of realizing God's love for us in an amazing touch in our lives through Jesus Christ and His Spirit. And this, this new wine has changed our lives. And so now when we fast, when we take a time to, to feed on, fast on uh, the bread of life, we do remembering, looking back, saying, the kingdom has come. My life has changed. I've been saved if we're Christians. I've been set free from the blood of, by the blood of Christ and the works of Christ. Therefore, I fast with new wine. I've tasted it. It's awesome. As a matter of fact, it's such powerful wine, we can't pour it back into the old wineskins, the old way to do it. They're burst. There's a whole new way of fasting. So fasting is distinctly Christian. Jesus says when you do it, there's a day you'll do it. And now he'll also say how you do it. How you do it is differently. Um, it should be very distinctly Christian. So let's look at that, how we will do it. Um, there are three points. You can follow along in your bulletin if you'd like. Uh, the first one is this. Now we fast to feast on the bread of life. Jesus, it's a whole new way of fasting. It's feasting on what he has done. Now we fast to feed the hunger pangs of life. Our fasting is a response to a broken life around us. And now we fast to long for the fullness of the kingdom. Basically saying, we've tasted this new wine and it's awesome. We've tasted the wine of forgiveness, and it is amazing. We've tasted the wine of new life in Christ, and man, it's like we're new creatures. We've tasted what it means to walk with Jesus and to have him be Emmanuel, God with us, and we long and we pant for more. And so now when we fast, we do those things. We feast on the bread of life. We also feed the hunger pains of life. And lastly, we long for the kingdom. Let's jump in and see these a little bit more clearly. First one is this, a fasting heart that feeds on the bread of life. When God is calling us to fast, when he calls us to, to abstain from some food so that we can focus on Jesus, really the heart issue here is appetite. Appetite. God wants us to have a appetite, a palate for him, for his word, for his character, for his truth for His kingdom, for His will. And so what God calls us to do is He calls us to fast so that we will abstain from the world's provision and will feed on Jesus and saying, Jesus, come and develop in me a heart that longs for You. Give me an appetite for You. John Piper rightly says that our appetite dictates the way we live our lives, the directions of our lives. It's true, isn't it? I mean, really, your heart's appetite will be your compass. What your heart deeply, truly, at the core, beats for, longs for, that will be your pursuit 
God cares about our heart. He wants us to love Him with our full heart, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our neighbor is ourselves. So this is a heart issue where we fast saying, God, give me an appetite for You. That's the first thing. So fasting is a discipline that sharpens our appetite for God while deadening our appetite for the world. God says there should be a season in our life that we put things away like, like food so that we can say, God... Give me a greater hunger for you. That's the first thing. A heart that hungers for God. I love what Jesus says about this. He says there's a reward in this. There's a blessing in this. Uh, A few weeks ago, I talked about the Sabbath, and it was a blessed day by the Lord. Remember, what the Lord blesses, we want to befriend. What the Lord blesses, what the Lord says, there's a reward there. We want a part of that in our life, in our spiritual disciplines, because He wants to bless us with this hunger. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy 8. There'll be a few passages that will appear on the screen. This one will not. Um, there's, an amazing, there's an amazing parallel between Deuteronomy 8 and Matthew 4. Um, let me give you a little bit of a backdrop. In Deuteronomy... Um, we are told that God led the nation of Israel uh, uh, from Egypt. He led them, God himself led them into the desert, into the wilderness, really. And that what God was doing, you'll see in verses 1 through 3, that God was leading his people into the wilderness. Why would he do that? Well, he wanted to test them. Uh, He wanted to see what their heart was about. He wanted to examine their heart in the middle of wilderness And as God led them to test them to see about their heart, because why? God cares about our heart first and foremost. He leads them into the the wilderness. And now He gives them food. He gives them bread from heaven. It's called manna. It's translated, what is this? Well, this manna, if you read closely, Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3, He gave that to them. Why? It's amazing. God... He feeds them, but he says this, I'm going to give you bread from heaven. Listen, it's amazing. So that you will hunger for God's word. I'm going to give you this, what is it bread that you can't produce yourself. So that as you live your life, you're hungry. I'm feeding you, yes, but this isn't enough. And he says in Deuteronomy that we now are to live our lives not on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the Lord's mouth. God is telling us, that we aren't to live by bread alone. That we're to live by God's Word. Okay? Okay, Jeff, what's the point? Look at Matthew 4. This is where the Bible is so ridiculously beautiful that you should want to stand up and start dancing around saying, this thing is amazing. What is, what is happening with Jesus? Well, Jesus, the unique Son of God, unlike the firstborn son of, of, of Israel, also was led into the wilderness by God's Spirit. He just got baptized. He's leading into the wilderness. God Himself leads him in there. Why? To test his heart. Does it sound familiar? It sure does. He had fasted for 40 days. He hungered. What does Satan tempt Jesus to do? Make manna. See these rocks? Make manna. And Jesus, the obedient Son of God, knows what's happening. And guess what he does? He quotes Deuteronomy. He says, no, no, no. Men do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I am here to so God the Father will see my heart, and my heart hungers for God. Here's the reality. 
The bread of life is given to us so that you and I will consume this bread of life and hunger for God. Isn't that beautiful? A bread that causes us to hunger. That's who Jesus is. A bread that satisfies our deepest longings and yet leads us to hunger for more. Is that not awesome? That's what Jesus says. Listen, we need a hunger for God when we, we fast an appetite for God. Fasting is feeding on the bread of life, Jesus, to develop that real hunger for God. Second thing is this, and that along those points, a heart that isn't bloated with the world's bread. Look at what uh, Zechariah 7, 5, and 6 says. And it should appear in 3, 2, 1. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and you mourn in the fifth month and the seventh month for those 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you ate and when you drank, did you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Listen, this wasn't for a hunger for God. They were doing religious stuff for themselves and they were eating and drinking for themselves. And he basically goes on to say, you became prosperous. You became prosperous, and as you prospered, as, as you ate what the world had to offer, you became bloated. Your, your hearts became full, and I became small. You hungered for luxury. You hungered for comfort. You hungered for your own name. You hungered for your own meaning. You hungered for your own purpose. You hungered for your own prosperity, and your heart didn't hunger for me. God calls us to fast so that we will not only hunger for Him, so that we won't have a bloated heart for the world. John Calvin says this, with full stomachs, our mind is not so lifted up to God. It's true. We, 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 we're consumers, and we live in a consumer society. It tells us that's our job. I mean, just kind of like big sponges. Consume, consume, consume. Fill yourself up with everything that life has to offer. And you know how much room that leaves for God? Very, very little. Our hearts are bloated, church. They really are. Our hearts are bloated with what the world has to offer. We've been eating the world's junk food. And we don't develop a palate for Jesus. Because there's no room for Him. Mother Teresa says this, if, if our heart is filled with the world, the only thing God can do with our heart is empty it out. <laughs> if our heart is filled for the world, the only thing God can do with our heart is empty it out. So this is, and fasting is us saying, God, we acknowledge that we've just crammed a bunch of Twinkies of life in our hearts, and it's not good for us. And we're longing for more. And so we're going to fast. We're going we're to take some time to say, deal with this bloated heart. We're going to stop. I'm going I'm to stop by saying, I'm not going to eat. I'm, I'm just going to seek your face and say, create in me a clean heart, not a bloated heart filled with junk food. Just think about cleaning out your closets. We, we just had water damage. We just had a toilet overflow and just one lousy toilet with a little bit of dirty water. Can that do some damage or what? I mean, it's literally like half our house is destroyed. I mean, all the carpet's ripped up. The drywall's been gone. Uh, a little bit of junk can do an amazing amount of damage. But one of the things it did is you, when you get water all over the floor, you, you have to clean out your closets. And when you start cleaning out your closets, you know what you realize? You've got a lot of junk in your closets. There's a lot of stuff you don't need. Get them out. So can you picture fasting as a time where God says, let's go into your heart, let's go into the closet, and let's just start pulling things out that aren't supposed to be there. And let's have a time together where we're together, and you're not, you're not eating, you're focusing on me. 
And let's have some little heart time together. A heart that beats for the giver of gifts, not the gifts. I mean, we, we fast so that we can tell God, Jesus, I love you, not just your gifts. I really love you personally. You really are it. Not just the things you give me. Not the peace, the prosperity, the hope, the joy. Those are awesome things. Jesus, I love you. I mean, you're the one I love. You're the ones my heart affections for. Not just your gifts. Now, you're going to have to really give me a little bit of grace here with this next analogy. It's a good one, but it's kind of on thin ice and you'll see why. It's basically, think of Santa Claus. Do kids really love Santa Claus or do kids really love the presence that Santa Claus brings behind? I mean, can't Santa Claus kind of become irrelevant? Yes. And can it become more about the gifts and hopefully in all of us it becomes more about the reason for the season? So don't write me bad letters about my terrible theology right here. I'm trying to make a point, okay? So, but think about that for just a second. I mean, really, I think what, what fasting is is saying, I don't want you to see me as Santa Claus just leaving presents for you to enjoy and you forget about me, the giver of the gifts. I mean, I want you to take time and stop and just stop something as easy, as simple as just take a meal, take a day, focus on me, focus on what I've given you, not just as, as a giver. Focus on me as a person, not just what I've given to you. So that's a call for us to fast. Fast to feast on the bread of life. Do you get it? Do you understand that a little bit even more? Like, so we're, we're going to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to pick a meal or a day or a time that we are going to not eat so that we can feast on Jesus, so he can clear out our closet, so he can give us a hunger for himself. Let's keep going. Fasting that feeds the hunger pangs of life. If the heart issue, uh, the first heart issue uh, was really a hunger for God, this is the heart issue of brokenness. The brokenness of life. And oh, how I know your stories, many of you. And I know they're like mine. There's so much brokenness in them. Life is so hard and so painful. And so God is calling us to fast, to feast on Jesus. And this is a tool that He gives us to feed the hunger pangs of life. Um, the first one is this. The heart, uh, the heart that hungers for God's forgiveness. Look at the prophet Joel. Um, Joel is going to say in Joel 2, 12 through 14, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Listen, for God, it's always about heart, never about religion. It's always about relationship. Remember that about him, okay? So he says this, Even now, return to me with all your heart. With what? With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Mourning over what? Their sins. And rend your heart. It's a word we don't use very often. It's tear your heart. Break your heart. In those days, to show that they were sad, they'd rip their clothes. And he says, I, don't do that external stuff. It's stupid. I really want to care about what your heart is. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Why? Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not... Uh, turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering from the Lord your God. God calls us to have a fast to be broken over our own sinfulness. John Adams, John Adams, listen, when he called for a fast for the nation, another president of ours back in the 17th, 18th century, listen to what he said about fasting because of leading to repentance. John Adams wrote, I hereby recommend accordingly that Thursday, the, 12th, uh, the 25th day of April next, 
be observed throughout the United States of America as a day of solemn humiliation, fasting, and prayer. That the citizens on that day abstain as far as may be from their secular occupation and devote the time to the sacred duties of religion in public and in private. That they call to mind our numerous offenses against the Most High God. Confess them before Him with a sincerest penitence imploring His pardoning mercy through the great Mediator and Redeemer for our past transgressions and through the grace of His Holy Spirit we may be disposed and enabled to yield to a more suitable obedience to His righteousness, His righteous requisitions in time to come. I know He's wordy. Hang in there with me. That we uh, would interpose to uh, uh, test the progress of the, that impiety and lasciviousness in principle and practice so offensive to Him and so ruinous to mankind that He would make us deeply sensible that righteousness exalt a nation but sin is a reproach to any people. And then here's what I love most about it. He says, by the way, the great mediator and redeemer is Jesus Christ. John Adams, one of our presidents, would say, you gotta, we got to fast. Why? Because we've got to repent. Because we have lived lives unpleasing to God. And that pain is dealt with through fasting and seeking God's face. Not only that, it's a heart that hungers for God's healing. So many of us are filled with stories or surrounded by stories of amazing pain. God gives us a tool, gives us something called fasting to seek His face with our prayers to ask for His healing. There's an amazing story here out of uh, 2 Samuel 12. Uh, I'm just going to paraphrase this for us um, for time's sake, and it's this. David falls into sin, and uh, he falls into sin with Bathsheba, and she conceives out of wedlock a child, and Nathan the prophet reveals his sin to him. He confesses it, and he finds out that, by the way, sadly, uh, this child is not going to make it, that this child is going to pass away. And the child is born, and he's suffering for life, and David is just begging God for healing. He's begging, see, he's refusing any food. He, he, he will not be comforted. The entire time, he's like, no, I'm just seeking God's face. My heart is so overwhelmingly broken for the pain in my family, for the brokenness in my family, for the disease in my family, for, for the just healing for my family, that I am going to seek God's face. And who knows, who knows, because our God is merciful. And who knows, maybe he'll relent. And he was in such prayer and such fasting and such petition that his servants freaked out. They're like, what are we going to do? Because you know what? The baby died. And, and how, how is he going to react? Because while the baby was living, he was such an amazing prayer and fasting. And when they didn't know what to do, they were afraid to tell him. And eventually he sees the commotion. He says, I, I know what happened. The baby's dead, isn't he? Yes, he is. He gets up. He washes himself. He goes into the house of the Lord and he worships and he starts to eat. And they all said, what in the world are you doing? He said, well, when the baby was still alive and there was a chance, I was going to pray like crazy to God. But now I know where the baby is and I, he, he can't come to me, but one day I'll go to him. You see, we, we, don't, we don't pray to dead people before them. God answered that story. But in the midst of struggle and pain, listen, do we, God, God's given us a gift and we blow by it. I mean, the news comes. Did you hear that your brother has cancer? The news comes. Did you hear the test results? The news comes. Did you hear about what your kid has done? The news comes, and you're just absolutely, absolutely brokenhearted. And God says, come to me in prayer and fasting. Come to me. 
and I'm going to fix your heart. I'm going, to love, I'm going to love you and I'm going to align your heart to my heart. It doesn't mean I'm going to guarantee that I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. A heart that longs for God's justice. You see, God calls us to pray because He wants to develop in us a heart that longs for God's justice. This broken world should break our hearts. This broken world should break our hearts. This broken world should break our hearts. I mean, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and it's not. And when it's not, it should break our hearts. And when we hear the stories on the news and we see them on the internet and we're reminded of just how horrific our state of our world is in, it should lead us to prayer and fasting. And as we pray and we fast, we should be imploring God's justice. God, come. And listen, look, look what Isaiah says. It's amazing to this passage. It says, Is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Isn't that a great picture? Don't eat so you can share it. And bring the homeless poor into your house, and when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. What an amazing passage. God is basically saying, see the world's pain because you are my family. You are my representative. Enter into that pain and be driven to prayer and fasting for them. And by the way, take the stuff that you don't eat and give it away. We're going to do it this week. Part of our weekly challenge is we're going to go down and feed the homeless on Thursday. There will be a table out here for those of you who want to deal with justice and say, I'm I'm in. I'll go down to the homeless shelter. I'll go down and provide a meal. Uh, I'll focus on fasting, but in a way that says I'm also focusing on justice. It's not just about us for Christ and his kingdom. Fasting a heart that hungers for God's will. In uh, Acts 14.23, also Acts 13.2 and 3, it'll appear. I'm just going to tell you about it. Um, Basically, when they were trying, the early church was trying to figure out God's will, guess what they did? They worshiped, they prayed, and they fasted. When you have something in your life that's huge, you want to get married, you want to buy a house, are you going to have kids, where are they going to go to school, you're going to pick a school, whatever it is, we should be hungering for God's will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I am so serious about your will that I'm not just going to add to the end of my prayer, oh, by the way, thy will be done, but I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to stop what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, I'm, not, I'm going to carve out this day and I'm going to ask God. I'm going to fast and say, God, is this your will for my business? Is this your will for my family? Is this your will for my life? I'm, I'm going to seek your face. Calvin says, when men are praying about a great matter, we are to fast and pray. It will render us more eager and unencumbered for prayer. What issue in your life right now is so overwhelming that it's pressing on you? that you're trying to carry on your own. That God says, come to me. Come to me and fast. And lastly, a fasting heart that longs for the fullness of the kingdom. And the heart issue here is homesickness. Homesickness. It's basically this. It's a heart that's tasted the new wine of forgiveness. It's the heart that knows it has a relationship with Jesus Christ It's a heart that knows it's been justified and declared not guilty in a holy God's sight. It's a heart that's being sanctified to look more and more like Jesus' 
But it's a heart that longs for that day that's to come, that sure day that's going to come, that we will be glorified when sin will be ultimately done with. We will no longer wrestle with it. It will no longer be a temptation. That we'll no longer just have to come to a a little taste of a table. That we'll be there at a feast. That we'll be at Jesus' feet. We'll see the nail prints. We'll, we'll, We'll see Him. We'll behold Him. We'll hold Him. I mean, death will be done. Sin will be done. And we will be with Him forever. And it's basically saying, God, give me a longing heart. A longing heart for that coming kingdom. Give me a heart that says, no more tears. That day, no more tears, Lord Jesus. Just unending joy. Unending worship. Unending intimacy with the God who is and His Son who rescued us. Come. And we fast. And we fast in a way. Say, Jesus, I've tasted the new wine. And the world doesn't compare anymore. And I just long for that day. I'm going to set a day aside that says, just come, Lord Jesus. Just come. I'm going to set a day aside that says, I just want to be with you because I want to practice for that day. I want to practice for that feast. I'm going to do away with what the world has to offer and I'm just going to sit at your feet and feed on Jesus today. Develop a longness because our hearts should be homesick. Zechariah 8, 18 and 19, it's not going to be on the screen, but you may want to refer to it. It's great. It says, in this new heaven and new earth, the fasting will be fastings of joy. Fastings of joy with truth. Fastings of joy because we will be with him. May we have a longing heart that longs for the kingdom. October 3rd, 2010. I declare a fast for OPC. A fast for us together, starting next Saturday and ending next Sunday. I'm going to challenge you, like we've challenged you each week, to go through your study guide. They're in your bulletin. You can go through and see what God has for you. I've already mentioned a time to feed the homeless. But we're declaring a fast together for next Saturday night, starting next Saturday night. And we're going to break fast together a week from today. We're going to come back and we're going to have an agape meal, a love meal right here. And we're going to gather back as God's family. We're going to break bread and break fast together and celebrate and wrestle with what God taught us through this fast. If you're medically able, let me challenge you to do it. It's scary, I know. I mean, it really is. I remember the first 24-hour fast I had. It wasn't long ago. I was like, what am I going to do? For some of you, it may include a Saturday night meal, Sunday morning breakfast, Sunday lunch, we'll come back together. For some of you, that may not be possible. Maybe for some, just pick breakfast and lunch on next Sunday. For some of you, you just want to try a meal. Just take next Sunday afternoon. But let me challenge each one of us. It's not a congressional challenge. It's a pastoral one. Next Saturday, fast. Seek God's face. I've given you an outline. Say, God, give me a hunger for you. Let me feast on Jesus. Fast. Those things that are broken in your life, fast. And say, would you please feed the hunger pains? fast. Say, Jesus, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We'll break that together. We have a great, a great week planned for this. I'm so excited. Your study guide, feeding the homeless, the fast. Um, here's what God has put on my heart. And I say this a little bit fearfully because again, Jesus made it clear. It's for the father. It's not for you. But as I study with this, here's what I realized. One meal a week, I want to fast. One day a month and one week a year. I'm not sure what that week of year is going to look like yet, so that's what God's calling me to. Amazingly, communion is a celebration of all of this. 
It's the bread of life that's come who is broken to feed us. Feed us. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You've come and if you feast on Me, you will live forever. He says, come to this meal and do this in remembrance of Me. This is the new way we do it. We look back and we remember that we're forgiven and loved. But He also says this, we look forward until the day I come. So let me, let me pray for us. Um, prepare our hearts for the table. Prepare our hearts to give. What an amazing gift God has given to us. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that You would truly give us an amazing heart for You. That God, You would do that through fasting. That this would be a discipline that You'd massage in this pastor's heart and this congregation's heart. That God, You would also not just give us a, the hunger for You, but You'd use fasting and prayer to meet the deepest pangs of our hearts. And that God, You'd use fasting and prayer for us to drink deeply the new wine of Your kingdom and ask that Your kingdom would come. Father, we now pray that you would advance Christ's kingdom through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And through this time right now, you prepare our hearts to uh, feed on Christ the bread of life. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.